Welcome to Women Who Startup Radio. This is the official Women Who Startup podcast, recorded right here in Denver at the tech studio inside the Cable Center. Season three is all about fundraising, and I'm officially coining this season as Show Us the Money. I'm your host, Lazelle Van Buren, the founder and CEO of Women Who Startup and Effectively Labs. Today, we're talking with Kara Golden. She's the founder and CEO of Hint, Hint Water. It's a food and beverage product, San Francisco based. And, um, you know, today she's going to she's going to dive into talking about her fundraising experience and the good, bad and ugly of it all. And, uh, you know, how like uh, a rivalry of hers in the in the food uh, and beverage um, industry and in the water industry kind of belittled her a little bit uh, without even ever meeting in person and and how she took that and put it in her, you know, put it in her backpack, if you will, and used it to fuel her to to go and uh, to build Hint. Let's do this. Krista Morgan is the co-founder and CEO of P2B Investor. Factoring is a financial practice of taking that invoice and selling it to someone in exchange for cash today. It's a super old school business and we said we can make it better. X Factor is so named because you are going to break up with your factoring company when you discover X Factor, this awesome line of credit that takes that same principle and just makes it a lot easier. We'd like to thank PDBI for being a Women Who Startup Radio sponsor. You can learn more about Krista's company at pdbi.com. Kara, do me a huge favor for our audience. Please introduce yourself. Tell us your name, tell us your company, tell us a little bit about yourself, and then we'll dive into rapid fire. Perfect. Hi, I'm Kara Golden. I'm the founder and CEO of Hint. And we are currently uh, morphing our company, I should say, from a pure uh, beverage company into a lifestyle brand that is really about essentials geared towards helping consumers get the best alternative, healthy alternative products uh, for them to live the healthiest lifestyle. I'm very excited to talk about Hen today, about your company, about healthy drinks, and what you're just saying, which sounds like a bit of a pivot or uh, an evolution of your company. Before we do that, I'd love to do a quick rapid fire for you. This is a really fun way for our audience to get to know our guests. So if you would, tell us where you were born. Edina, Minnesota. Nice. Uh, As a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? A lawyer. (laughs) That's hilarious. We've had a lot of lawyers on so far that turned out for entrepreneurs, so that's funny. Uh, As a kid, uh, no, I asked you that. Uh, What's the first thing you do when you get up in the morning? Exercise. Brilliant. Uh, best daily ritual, ritual that you live by? Kiss my kids. Aw. Um, song that gets you through pretty much any bad day? Uh, I got a feeling. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite brand right now? I would say it's... Still Nike. It's it's kind of incomparable, right? They're just kicking right. kicking ass, taking names. Yep. Um, best book you've recently read or listened to? Best book. Oh, this is terrible because I'm a terrible at remembering the names. Yeah, of, me too. Books. Um, I would say the originals by Adam Grant. Very cool. Thank you for sharing. And the final rapid fire question is. What is your life motto? What is your mantra? What do you live by? Disrupt and look at how you can always be making things better. Fair enough. Very, very nice. Thank you for that, Kara. It's a really fun way for people to quickly get to know you. Let's dive into the interview session. You introduce yourself as the founder and CEO of Hint. Tell us how Hint started, but give me like the highlight reel because I kind of know, but our audience does not. So give us a highlight reel of how you started Hint, please. So I was in tech, actually was uh, started my career in media, morphed into tech. I was running 
uh, a group within AOL doing e-commerce and shopping. And after leaving that role after seven years, I decided that I really wanted to do something that made a difference. And I'd had a great career run, uh, really helping people learn how to shop online, but then really started to look at how do I you know, do something that was going to disrupt and make the world a little bit better. And I kept thinking that that was going to be something in the uh, in the nonprofit mm. world and uh, and was open to that, frankly. But then as I started to look at some of the nonprofit jobs uh, and, and roles and board positions that were out there, I really believed that I could actually make uh, a change in my own life sort of on a parallel path in uh, in health. And so I, I really started looking at how do I uh, get myself healthier. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I talk to people now today saying that I, I was quietly sick. I was uh, mm. overweight. I had, for the first time in my life, developed terrible adult acne. Mm. I had no energy. Mm. And after going to a number of different doctors, I realized that there was... Uh, Although there was no complete diagnosis at that point, it was, um, you know, I didn't have type 2 diabetes. I didn't have, you know, some of the other things that we now know are, are really, really big health challenges for many, many people. Mm. I looked at, uh, I looked at, okay, there's all these problems that I have. How do I solve them? And no one is giving me an opportunity to actually solve them in any other way but to um, go and get, you know, pharmaceutical medication in order to solve those issues. Mm. And so prior to potentially being on lifelong medication, I decided I'm really going to look at trying to understand, uh, trying to understand my own health and how my body's reacting to food and, and beverages. And Diet Coke was my I talk about it now as my best friend that I drank diet Coke all day long. And, uh, and I was, you know, really had an addiction to it, frankly, that I got up in the morning and, and had a can and just kept popping that can open all day long. Sometimes, you know, anywhere from eight to 12 a day, I would, I would be drinking a diet Coke constantly. And so basically I just decided, I don't know if this has anything to do with any of these health issues that I'm, you know, have, have really been challenged with, but I'm just going to eliminate that and see what happens. And in about, uh, so I swapped diet Coke for plain water. I was never a plain water drinker. Um, and so I, I, basically like said, okay, this is going to be really hard, but I'm going to go with it for a few weeks and two and a half weeks into just swapping, doing nothing else, but swapping diet Coke for plain water. I lost over 20 pounds and I thought, this is crazy that I've lost like so much weight. My acne is cleared up. My energy is back. My clarity is back. Like lots of things were were happening just by making this one change. And so I knew that I didn't want to go back to drinking Diet Coke. I really thought like there has to be something here. I don't know specifically what it is, but somehow my body was reacting to this substance and maybe it just got tired of it, whatever, but it was, but I need to keep this change going. Mm. And basically I started throwing, I started cutting up fruit and throwing that in water and it got me to actually continue to drink water and it made water more interesting. So then I took it to a local, the the idea to a local Whole Foods here in San Francisco. And Mm. again, Mm. I wasn't planning on launching a beverage company. I never thought like, okay, I'm going to, go and launch a beverage company. Not one single day in my life did I say, I am going to go and be a beverage entrepreneur. (laughs) What I really was trying to do was solve this problem for myself. And what I realized is that there were a lot of people like me who were drinking diet soda 
and you know now I categorize all of these healthy perception things in in you know that camp as well. Mm-hmm. It could be flavored waters that have sweeteners in it, et cetera. Yeah. But really, what I realized is that I had been fooled for so many years, and if I could just swap out this substance for plain water or water with just some fruit in it, that yeah. I could actually get healthier. And while I was going down this river on this journey, I six months later, I realized that I had actually lost the weight that I was looking to lose, which was close to 50 pounds in six months. Crazy. That's great. And yeah, I mean, it was crazy. And I didn't do it with medications or, you know, anything else. And I thought, wow, there's a lot of really smart people out there that actually think like me, (laughs) that the word diet or low calorie or low fat are actually better for them. And they need to really understand that it's really first about real and then about taste. And maybe those go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. I do think that they Mm -hmm. go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. And that just by, you know, listening, frankly, to the food and beverage industry, that is no guarantee that you're going to get healthy. Instead, you really have to start thinking for yourself what you're putting in your body. And, you know, now today I speak about what you're putting on your skin, what you're putting in your home, lots of other things like just like you're a consumer, you're purchasing these things. So why shouldn't you actually have a better understanding of what you're actually, you know, doing to to in in your purchasing power so it is astonishing to me how how many people how many millions and millions of people are are truly unaware of what they're consuming whether it's nutrition wellness environments you name it and and i think i love that for you it's high time to not just have that conversation but you're actually an entrepreneur accelerating in that space where you you literally went on a personal you know uh, experience to improve your health and through that learning, um, you're like holy cow! Um, if I can do this with a simple you know uh, xing out, let's just you know sugar and caffeine addiction, right? I mean like that's what happens in our bodies when we become so you know uh, reliant on uh, a diet coke or or whatever it is um, that has that high level of of sugar in it so so one that's very very interesting because i think a lot of people are trying to set sail out there in the world by being like oh, i'm going to start a food and beverage company but they don't really know much about it whereas your journey is very organic where you're like well i'm <laughs> i did not set out to go start a food and beverage company. I, I set out to go learn something about my own health and now I'm trying to educate the world on it and I brought a new product to market. How much good and bad comes with that entrepreneur journey? I think it's, it, I mean, it, uh, to your point, I really think it's it's about no matter what you're doing as an entrepreneur, I, I think you really need to be able to show that you're actually solving a problem in today's day and age. And and specifically when you're talking about raising money to yeah. actually fund that product, because it really is about like, I think gone are the days when you, when you can just go and develop a product and, yeah. and not sort of have a reason for it actually being there. I'm yeah. not even sure that there was ever a time for that, but let's just say that there was, that you could just go out and put anything in the market and raise money. Like, let's just say that, you know, there was Mm -hmm. hypothetically, Mm -hmm. but today I think you really have to be able to show people that it's actually solving some kind of problem down the road. And, And I think that, you know, I also really believe that unless you're able to actually show what problem that is that you're solving, it's very difficult to sort of storytell around that too good point so yeah so that it's um it, it just makes it that much easier i mean people always say to me oh my god you have such like a great story and it's like and <laughs> you know how did you come up with your story and, like it's and, my life and, yeah yeah i mean it's real. It, the story is really that it, it, it's that it's the problem that i was having mm-hmm. and what i did to solve it that's right. And that is the story. 
And so I think that that's the, that's the biggest problem I see in any entrepreneur's journey, that if they want to go and actually you know, launch a product and yeah. then they have to be able to show like what problem they're solving. I, I, you know, chuckle at entrepreneurs when I say, you know, why did, why do you want to launch this product? And, you know, in our, in my industry in beverage, I've heard from a number of entrepreneurs who have said to me, oh, you know, this is, this is just like vitamin water, but, mm. and, and it's like, but is that actually solving a problem right. or is it really just, following on to what vitamin water did or, you know, put any other successful beverage in in that place. I think that is so much more difficult to actually sell to investors because you're not actually showing that you're basically saying you're a copycat. Mm. You're just adding something on to that particular product, but you're not actually explaining your why. Interesting. And why you're doing it. Yeah. One one girl's opinion, but I think it's just, it makes it a lot easier. And again, plug in any other industry. Exactly. Exactly. It applies across the board. It applies across the board. So unless you're solving problems Mm -hmm. in today's day and age and in the entrepreneurial stratosphere, I don't think your life will be that easy. And having said that, the journey is still that tough, but it's yeah. I mean, you know, we're we're really seeing uh, uh, an up ramp of if you're inventing problems, whew, good luck. Um, or if you're solving problems, that's really exciting. And then if you have an organic story about that, and that usually is the entrepreneur's journey. Uh, kind of simultaneously overlapping this problem that they're solving out in the world with a validated market. Um, That's really interesting. That's interesting for people as, you know, uh, as those who consume this product service or solution. And that's really interesting to investors. Oh, this is how this solution is serving its market and it's validated and it's necessary and it's applying to multiple things people profit planet you know blah 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 and and that's very powerful so that's that's awesome so before we dive into like how the heck you got this poppy off the ground i mean this kind of started as you mentioned chopping up some fruit in your kitchen uh you have a family you have um kids was it tough to get them to like kick the sugar uh uh, tell us about like very briefly, if you would, please kind of like this started, you know, as a, as a health choice personally, but how did you get that first 20 hint bottles of, um, and we're going to talk about exactly what a hint drink entails, uh, on the shelf of whole foods, how quickly did that occur and how hard did you have to bust your ass to achieve that or, or not? And what, simple strategic steps that you have to take from that moment you were like, oh my God, flavored water with simple fruit. This is not brain surgery. However, it has completely changed my health so dramatically that I've literally probably cut out a lot of health risks for my for the rest of your life and probably your family's to the point where you got that first bottle on the shelf of a Whole Foods where you're now again validating yeah so the the story really first of all my kids at that point were very very young I mean under age four when I started this company so it's uh it wasn't like I had to really convince them I think I (laughs) I had a lot of control as a you know parent in the house to uh to sort of you know guiding them as to what were the better alternatives I Mm -hmm. always laugh at parents when uh, when, you know, they've said, oh, I could never get my kids off of, mm. you know, juice and sugar. And, and I'm like, how old are your kids? And, mm. and if your kids are under the age of five, it's a no brainer. Mm. Of course you can. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Like you just don't stock it yeah. in your house. There you go. And instead you stock, you know, other things that are interesting to them and make it interactive, right? So right. cut up the fruit, throw it in the water, make a whole thing out of it, whatever. Right. So I think that that's, you know, that aspect of it. But then as it relates to actually getting it on the shelf. So my story was, again, I, I didn't, 
plan on launching a beverage company, I went to Whole Foods here in San Francisco and, and said to the guy shock, stocking the shelf, not, you know, the buyer. Or, yeah. I yeah. Mean, it wasn't some major meeting. It was a guy that was stocking the shelves at, at San Francisco Whole Foods. And I said, listen, I'd really like this product and one that is still water that just uses real fruit in it. And mm -hmm. I had learned that there were some flavored waters out there that mm -hmm. were on the shelf that weren't even using real fruit to actually flavor the water. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I was horrified when I learned that things that were calling themselves, you know, dragon fruit water and some others were actually using like bone marrow and cockroach wings and lots of other things that were all natural, wow. yeah. but not actual fruit. And right. again, some people really like bone marrow. I think that most people would agree that if you're actually thinking that you're buying something that has fruit on it, like, like give me fruit, yeah, they give you fruit, right? And right. so I was relatively horrified. And again, I hadn't <laughs> been in the food and beverage industry, I'd been in tech, and I was just really surprised by, yep. you know, what I was finding. So finally, when I, when the guy at Whole Foods said, listen, you know, we don't have that kind of product here. We have some similar ones and in, in carbonated, but we don't have it here. And, uh, and we, uh, and when I asked him like where else I could find this product, he's, he named a couple of other stores, but I thought, wow, there's like this real void in, mm. in the market. And maybe I should just, while I'm looking for this other job, which was, you know, what I had thought was probably going to be a nonprofit of some sort. Let me just like go and find this mm. and, and find or go and do this just as, you know, just to entertain myself to, you know, launch this product that I thought could actually have some other people, you know, really interested, um, as interested in me and, in, in drinking it. And so, um, so it was never, it was more of a, you know, weekend project, passion project, whatever, yeah, right. um, initially. And then, uh, I said to the guy, you know, I should just go launch this product. And I, I don't think he believed that I would actually come <laughs> back. And, you know, the funniest part about the story was I came back six months later after he had, you know, barely said at this point when I was looking for the product, he said, yeah, maybe you should, maybe you should go launch it. And I was like, if I launch this kind of product, will you, uh, will, will you actually stock it on the shelf? And and he's like, okay, yeah, whatever. Uh -huh. And so I took that as you know, uh, hell yeah. Awesome. I'm like, and people ask me all the time, like, did you go back during those six months and ask him, like, or give him any ETAs on when it was actually going to get to shelf? And I'm like, no, like I was terrified <laughs> to say no. And so I just kept going with it. And then finally. Um, Finally, I just, uh, I, well, I should also mention uh -huh. that I was pregnant oh, wow. with, my, um, with my fourth child okay. and I didn't realize how far along I was. Uh -huh. And so I decided that my timeline for actually launching this product was prior to my son, Justin being born. Oh boy. And the day that I was actually delivering a planned C-section at the hospital, we delivered the product. My husband was nice enough to actually come and help me carry cases since I was <laughs> limited as to how much weight I could actually carry at this point. Uh -huh. And so we deliver them into Whole Foods and the guy said, you know, my husband was saying, are you sure this guy said that he was actually going to stock the shelf? Right. And I'm like, yeah, he told me. Like and he we was had like, a deal. Like, what did he really yeah. say? And mm -hmm. I said, he said he'd like do it. And he said, okay. And so we get in there and we're putting it on the shelf and or we see the guy and I said, hey, remember me? And he was like, you're really pregnant right now. And I was like, I know, isn't it crazy? I'm delivering this afternoon, so it would be super awesome if you would actually put this on the shelf. And because I'm like, I have to be at the local hospital at 2 p.m., so it'd be really great if I could like go in. And he's like, are you serious? And I'm like, I am. And my husband's looking at him saying she is. Like TikTok, dude, let's go. Yeah, let's go. And so so I dropped the cases. We didn't actually stock the shelf that day. Sure. I dropped the cases. Them. And I didn't even know if he was actually going to put them on the shelf. And sure. then when 
I went to the hospital and, and delivered. Uh, then the next day, uh, he called us actually in the hospital and he was like, uh, and my husband answered the phone and he said, yeah, you know, uh, we actually are out of product. And I, and oh, he was no way. And, uh, and I said, what, what did he say? And, uh, this is my husband. And he said, uh, he said that the product's gone. And I said, <laughs> give me the phone. And I get him on the phone and I'm like, what do you mean the product's gone? Who took it? Right. I still believe that people were yeah. actually buying the product. I mean, it was crazy. And so then we got out of the hospital and, and then we, you know, went and got some more product and went and, and delivered it to him. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it was, um, you That's know, fantastic. It, it was scrappiness. It was a lot of hard work. It's, it's, um, you know, willingness to actually, uh, go and, and do that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I always say to people too, that if you're going to be an entrepreneur and, you know, without even a sale yet and start to outsource every single thing that you do, including sampling, including, you know, delivery of the product, mm -hmm. and you're not actually interested in sort of understanding who your customers are, then like, I don't think there's a high likelihood that you'll actually make it. Good point. Right? Cause yeah, you really strong point. Yeah. Yeah. And as the journey continues, I think that it's it's not just about like what you were like when you started, but also your ability to understand every single aspect of the business mm -hmm. too. Yeah. So I think that that's such a key key piece of it as well. Hey, let's give a big thank you to the following sponsor. Maria Popo is the founder and CEO of MediaAmp at the Cable Center. Hi, I'm Maria Popo. I'm founder of MediaAmp at the Cable Center. MediaAmp at TCC is a co-working and innovation center on a beautiful Cable Center campus right next to the University of Denver. You can learn more about MediaAmp at the Cable Center at MediaAmpTCC.com. So that was awesome. So fantastic. And you know, you're not the first and I hope not the last um, entrepreneur that took the humble human connection of just asking someone in a local grocery store. Uh, I, I have a few friends here in Colorado, especially in the Boulder space. Two of them successfully launched their food and beverage product exactly like you did by simply asking a really kind person who happened to be either stocking the shelves or working. Um, for example, uh, uh, I know a friend, Jacqueline Claudia, who just launched Love the Wild. Um, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio just invested in their company and um, they're in the fish business. She did the exact huh. same thing. She asked a kind gentleman behind the fish bar, hey, is there any type of like um, smart, very healthy um, <coughs> fish that could be prepared in a simple way that makes my life easier as a mom, also of four people and blah, blah, blah. Long story short, that person was kind enough to say, heck yes, if you launch a product, you let us um, put it on the shelf, we'll be happy to help you launch it. And that's the beauty. Like we forget, like, you know, human connection is how us entrepreneurs get our first yes, whether it's- 100%. The, yeah, and I think people forget that. I mean, that's the most humbling part of this startup um, process. Um, so thank you for sharing that. That's yeah. extremely inspiring uh, and very, very powerful. And and I hope our listeners take that to the bank because it's really important. Um, let me please ask you then, you are like, okay, this is, this is real, real. I mean, I have validated a small portion of my product in a real grocery store by real humans saying, heck yes, I like it. I would assume you have done taste tests, you know, between then and today out the wazoo, I, I, I assume you've done all sorts of really exciting validation. Uh, one, I don't know if I've actually asked you, tell me about the actual drink, what's in it, what makes it yummy, what makes it healthy, what makes it awesome. And then two, get, let's dive into the point where you're like, okay, this is real, real. And I, I'm going to consider capital to make this even more real, real. There's supply, there's demand, there's production, there's team, there's, you know, all that jazz. Then let's dive into that. But before we do, tell us what is in this yummy, healthy, simple drink called Hint, please. 
Yeah, so we use uh, real skins and oils of fruit uh, to actually flavor the water product. In the case of sunscreen, we use those same uh, skins and oils to uh, scent the product. Mm. And, um, and so it's, you know, vegetarian, it's, it's, uh, you Gluten know, free. It's, it's a, yeah, exactly, exactly. So that's, um, you know, it's, it's pretty simple. Mm-hmm. Um, we, uh, and you know, we have, I guess in the beverages, we have 23 different, um, products, some of them still, some sparkling. We actually added a line of caffeinated products mm. as well to that. And uh, and now we have three sunscreens. We have a couple of uh, lip balms, and we're getting ready to launch with some other products as well. So, wow. so that's sort of the core of it. And, uh, you know, in terms of funding, we um, were fortunate enough, frankly, to be able to self-fund the yeah. company for the first couple of years. I um, I you know, always tell entrepreneurs today that, you know, if we did a little bit of self-funding on our own and then, you know, thankfully had great credit with uh, American Express and Mm -hmm. and, um, great, you know, bank relationships, but we didn't really use the bank relationships as much as Amex. I mean, Amex for us was something that, you know, I, I probably got my first Amex card in college and didn't charge a whole lot on there. And, you know, it was just good about paying it, which I think is, you know, I, I, I say to my, you know, my family and my friends that especially my kids today, I'm like, listen, like credit is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Like to, to sort of maintain that and make sure that you, you know, cause you just never know how you'll use it and sort of what you'll, you know, need to be using it for. So that was initially like the first couple of years we, we sort of looked at it a little bit differently in terms of like, we had a lot of friends who were coming to us saying, Hey, do you want to, um, you know, can we invest in what you're doing mm-hmm. and whatever? And I, we didn't, I still wanted to go over to their house for like dinner parties and not have to, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. with them, yeah. like sort of saying, Hey, where's my money? Uh-huh. And so I think that the biggest thing is you know, if you're going to take investment from friends and family, make sure that they're not going to miss it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it's not something that, you know, you're, you're using a retirement account from, from uncle Sam right. or right. uncle Ted or whatever his name is to like, you know, take his last $25,000. And, you know, it's just, it's just not worth it. And, mm-hmm. and friends too, like, you know, look, I, I think that, the biggest thing that I've learned in sort of the entrepreneurial journey is there's plenty of highs and lows. And, and sometimes when you're with friends, you'll, you know, it's like, it's really nice to be able to share the lows, right? Mm -hmm. Not just the highs Mm -hmm. and sort of saying like, Oh, it's been a really bad day. Here's kind of what happens. And, and if you have somebody who's like a friend or family, that's an investor in the company and you can't sort of be yourself like around them, it's just like, it, the dynamic just really changes, I think. Mm-hmm. And I just think that that's like something to remember, like who you're getting, you know, the money from. So in it, and I really believe like, you know, we knew we needed capital to actually grow the company, but also believed that if we weren't going to um, take money initially in, in terms of friends and family, then like we had two options, either take money from people that we didn't really know who, you know, maybe tied our hands in some ways to sort of like growing in a different way than we wanted to grow yep. or grow slower. And right. so we chose to grow slower. Mm. We actually sort of had this problem that, you know, maybe not every product or service had, which was that, that, you know, the world had to catch up to sort of where I was at um, when I launched this company, which was that I really believed that not just sugar, but also other sweeteners were actually doing the wrong thing. I mean, when I launched this company now almost 12 years ago, I would tell people that I gave up Diet Coke and I got healthy and they were like, wait, you had to have done something else. There's nothing wrong with Diet Coke. Today, if I walk down the street and I say to people like, you know, hey, I'm, you know, I launched Hint. They're like, oh my God, just like you, I gave up Diet Coke and I got so much healthier. People know that diet soda is not so great for them. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's, that that's the change. Like we knew that there was like a big public perception that we had to change 
And the only way to change the public perception is really to, um, you know, either do lots of billboards and, and branding that we just didn't have the money to do or just go slower yeah. and let the other people do that for you. And, you know, frankly, there's been like lots of other um, companies that have uh, or, you know, associations that have done that for us, including the, you know, sugar tax and, you know, and lots of other ones that have really helped us um, kind of in an indirect way, but um, more and more uh, in a direct way. That's awesome. So, I mean, there's there's a huge, huge, huge um, opportunity for especially new entrepreneurs to to really hear this message of setting out sale to to solve a problem in a market that you're either validating or you're about to start validating. And the first notion is to raise venture capital is a very, very dangerous way of thinking. For one, it's not the only way to build a company. Uh, two, it's um, it's almost encouraged by the investor community for entrepreneurs to really consider, hey, go build this product, go build this solution, go make this drink, let's see what the market says, and you should be far more ingrained and focus on actually business development and, you know, working on your product and, you know, uh, in, instead of, because fundraising is a full-time job and, and a lot of people don't, don't realize on top of building a company, if you're fundraising, you're, you have two full-time jobs and it's, it's 100%. very, very, it's very intense uh, for a lot of uh, entrepreneurs. And so uh, what do you kind of have to, I, I know you give a lot of uh, advice um, for entrepreneurs. I know you talk to a lot of uh, female entrepreneurs uh, and entrepreneurs in general, um, all of them, all of us. And and I think there's a really exciting opportunity for entrepreneurs really to start learning that being an entrepreneur means that you're figuring out how to solve a problem that is an exchange for um, revenue and hopefully profit margin. <laughs> and uh, otherwise, you should consider it being a nonprofit because it's just purely about uh, impact and and we're also actually changing the world of of impact investment and impact founders and all that jazz, which is amazing. But I think a lot of people are very very confused about solving a problem and just diving knee deep into I got I gotta raise cash I gotta raise money, and we forget as entrepreneurs that we really should be solving a problem and making money by doing it, which is our sheer initial validation. Uh, any thoughts on that for entrepreneurs? Yeah, I mean, I think that the key thing is, is like, look, you, in order to grow, I'm a big believer that uh, it's important to raise money. And I think you always want to have enough money so that you can actually grow last. Yeah. Your, yeah. yeah. And, and company properly. But I also believe that the further along you can get prior to actually raising money, the better off you're going to be. So it just, you know, I look at Shark Tank. And mm -hmm. Shark Tank has, I'm sure, helped lots and lots of people. I have no mm -hmm. idea what the statistics are, but I'm sure they've helped lots and lots of people. And obviously, those people all have, like, great connections, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera, and all really great. But, you know, when I see entrepreneurs up there who are giving away half their company, uh, when they, yeah. like, haven't, they have no idea sort of what they're going to have to do in order to sort of build a brand or you know, whatever, and, and overall just build the sales of the company, it just kills me. And I mean, the number of times too, where I'll run into an entrepreneur who will tell me that, you know, they had to shut their company down and, and I'll ask them like, you know, what happened? Like, mm -hmm. it was a great idea. It was a great product. And, mm -hmm. you know, and even though I don't know all the details of the product all the time, I mean, it sounded like a great idea. Nine out of 10 times, it's because they had chosen the wrong investor so like if you're choosing investors it's one thing to actually go out and raise money and get an and get a particular investor involved in your company but it's another thing to bring in an investor with a whole set of terms on a term sheet that that say that for example that they have first right of refusal on raising the next set of rounds so mm -hmm. that they can actually say who you're going to raise money from or not and if they decide that for example they don't approve, you know, 
investor B to be involved in the company for whatever reason, because they don't like his hair color or they don't <laughs> like he's not in Silicon Valley or whatever the reasoning is, but they have the right to do that. Mm-hmm. And that's the only investor that you can get involved in the company. Then there are a number of deals that I've seen out there where like they actually shut the company down mm. and it's just crazy. So, so I always encourage, you know, entrepreneurs too to not to also look at the term sheet and know sort of what your options are but be careful to not be in such a bind where you're looking at a term sheet saying oh my god I'm going to get a million bucks out of this investor and I I don't even care what the terms say I'll deal with it later because you know pretty quickly you're going to run through that money and you're going to be back in this position and they can actually take the company Mm. like this and and so and it's it it truly is shark tank Mm -hmm. at that point where you like and in a million years entrepreneurs that i've talked to that this is that this has happened to would not have suspected that yeah yeah i think uh, you know being educated being informed asking a lot of tough questions no matter how uncomfortable um, is really important for both sides of the table, right? For investors and and, un- and entrepreneurs. I think it's really important for entrepreneurs to surround themselves with with entrepreneurs who have been raising for a while, who are serial entrepreneurs, so that they can kind of try their best to prevent some of these pitfalls so that they are not kind of stooped if they have to raise again and they gave away the farm for a few dollars. Yeah, I think that's that's really hypercritical. Um, okay, Kara, let me ask you um, the five most important things. I mean, five, uh, that's an arbitrary number. It's just a number. Like there is a set of really important things that you may want to share with entrepreneurs listening uh, about raising money. You kind of hinted at a few here, you know, know your terms, know your term sheet, kind of know what it means to <laughs> to to engage with investors. I think this is probably one of the greatest things coming out of this um, latter bit of the conversation. Don't go in blind, um, surround yourself with others who have done it. But from your fundraising experience, um, I've watched a few awesome videos where you talk to uh, women who are starting great companies and they're figuring stuff out. We still have a very, very, very big gap in the investment uh, uh, community. And I talk about that investment gap on both parts. We have a huge issue with women just not being investors at uh, just, you know, we're, we're just getting there, right? We're, we're, we're just kind of starting our engines, I think, on, on, in that regard. But I think it really is trickling into the sheer fact why female entrepreneurs are still only at 6%. Uh, about 7%, 6-7% of all venture capital. What can you say to encourage, you know, female entrepreneurs who are coming up behind you, uh, learning from, you know, entrepreneurs like you, uh, listening to the show and um, who are trying to pay attention to um, not falling into the pitfalls and uh, are female entrepreneurs, and they may be people of color, they may be LGBTQ community, how can we continue to inspire and encourage these entrepreneurs to not give up, to keep climbing, and, um, and, and other things that, that, from your experience, you, you try to make sure we put in our toolbox? Yeah, so let me just make sure I understand. So, the, so am I speaking now to the entrepreneur or to the female investor? Uh, you can you can speak to both. Uh, both. I encourage you to just speak to both. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I would say for female entrepreneurs, the biggest thing that I've seen that you know, and this is female entrepreneurs as well as male entrepreneurs as well. But but I really hear a lot from female entrepreneurs that this is an issue that it's like they'll go out and raise money because so and so can introduce them to so and so, right? Mm. And then. You know, I like I think the most valuable thing that an entrepreneur today has is their time. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I've never found that I that that getting the meeting is the issue. It's actually getting them to actually say yes mm-hmm. or no. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, yeah. It's like they'll, you know, and and unfortunately and Again, I think this is, you know, one girl's opinion, 
possibly, but I, I'm, I don't have any statistics on this to say, but I think that, you know, the, the women that are out there that are, you know, young and hungry, and I hate to say it, but cute, like they'll, they'll like, sometimes they're targets for like, they'll be met with all day long. Like people, people in the venture community will sit there and say, Hey, come on down. Like, let's go have lunch. Let's go have drinks. And, and, you know, I'll say to these female entrepreneurs, like, so how many times have you met with this person? And they're like, Oh, like nine, you know, I'm like, the, like at what point are like, where are you guys? Right. In this process? Oh, they're, they're just, we're still talking. And right. I'm like, so do you have time to have like nine more meetings? Cause it looks like it's heading there. So right. I think it's really trying to really understand like, who are these people that you're speaking to and do they invest in your category? Right. Do they invest in your, in your size of business? Do they invest in your stage of business? Right. And so that's like a, that's a really, really key piece that is somewhat shocking to many entrepreneurs. When I tell them that they're like, God, I never even thought about that. Mm. And they were like, I was so excited about getting, the meeting with XYZ investor who also invested in, you know, Uber and Facebook and Google. And I'm like, okay, but the odds of them investing in a beauty company that is doing lipstick, probably low. I don't know. It it could happen. Of course. Right. Right. So you have to just like, it's not that you don't have those meetings. It's that you allot a certain percentage of your time towards having those meetings. Yeah. And then as it relates to the female investors that are thinking about investing out there, mm. I look at female investors today, whether, you know, it's me or whether it's, you know, Sarah Blakely who founded yep. Spanks or yeah. um, Oprah Winfrey or, you yep. know, I mean, I could like, I could name a number of women yep. entrepreneurs who I think are great entrepreneurs. And the one thing that they did was solve problems. And I think women are great problem solvers. That's right. And and I think that if you believe that women are problem solvers and they'll figure out like, okay, what are the steps that I need to take in order to actually solve that problem? Then why wouldn't you invest in more of that? Yeah. Right. (laughs) Exactly. And we frankly, I mean, I have a whole crew of women investors who invested in me and you know, they're probably the best uh, advocates for the brand too. You know, they, they carry a hint bottle in their purse wherever Mm -hmm. they go. They're constantly telling the story about, you know, me and the hint brand. And so, you know, I think we have plenty of great male investors too, but Mm -hmm. I feel like the female investors like really like they love storytelling. They love problem solving. They're, Mm you know, they're used to multitasking, Mm -hmm. they like, you know, and they understand in my category health, right? And they Mm -hmm. understand how important it is. And so I think it's, it's, um, it's very, very important for female investors to, to invest. And, but I think it's, you know, just like investing in anything, it's a little bit scary, right? And I, I think it's, it's also, look, female investors are, um, we haven't there there haven't been as many doing it yeah to date, right yeah and so it's it's really but there's some amazing female investors there's you know certainly people that have worked in larger firms like jp morgan and yep. some others that have done banking deals etc that could definitely go and do angel investing and they're doing it now but i think it's just a matter of of actually just you know, having that mindset to, I'm going to go and do it. I'm going to go and invest in things that really make sense to me that I think are solving problems and have a focus. Yeah, that's great. That's great. I appreciate that very, very much. I think uh, you hit on a lot of really important facets there of, um, yep, Yep. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> Honestly, um, I think I, I hear this conversation by not enough uh, female entrepreneurs themselves and female investors themselves. I think it's just a matter of time and we need to kind of continue to curate the conversation on both sides of the spectrum to encourage more female investors and to just keep encouraging those female entrepreneurs to make sure that they get educated about 
the right phase, the right market, the right industry, etc. And um, so thank you for that. I'm going to wrap up with one final question. Um, and that is around uh, Women Who Startups kind of slogan and motto. Our, our platform really tries to constantly remind entrepreneurs about the journey and we're constantly hammering the motto and philosophy of keep climbing even though I'm a huge advocate for saying hey anytime is a good time to stop rest break or get off the mountain especially if it's the wrong mountain it's not ser- not serving you you know please change directions because life is short and doing shit that matters is really important so with that I love to ask every one of our guests whether on podcast or in person etc um, about what keep climbing means for you. And, and what that really is asking about is what continues to inspire you to get up in the morning, to make sure that your teams uh, are inspired to, you know, be innovative and creative and keep building and, um, you know, accelerating your company. Um, what keeps inspiring you? So what does keep climbing kind of mean for you? That's how I would really love for us to wrap up today. Yeah, I think for me, it's 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 basically believing that there's no ceiling to mm-hmm. anything, and and I think that you know we can constantly better ourselves, our product, our company, our you know relationship with the customer, mm-hmm. and so for me, that's what that climb is all about that Mm. it's it's really how do you actually continue to build on that in order to make everything around you better Mm. and and i i think it's it's really it's life as well and and you know it's just it's really you know i'm a big believer that you do what you can do and and um and get upset about things that you can control um, but I'm also a big believer that you have to just keep searching for new ways to do things too and, uh, and new ways to just make things better and, and reach for, you know, crazy uh, high goals and expectations and, and, uh, and see how close you can come to achieving those. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for that. Um, I want to give a huge, huge, huge thank you to you, Kara. Thank you for your time. Thank you for investing in, uh, you know, the Women Who Startup uh, radio audience and listeners. Um, there's like tens of thousands of them. And um, thank you for keeping inspiring, you know, female entrepreneurs to keep kicking ass and taking names. Thanks, Kara. Take good care and keep thank kicking you. ass. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Women Who Startup Radio. To learn more about Women Who Startup, please visit womenwhostartup.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel inspired to share it everywhere and to leave us a review and a rating on iTunes. Take care of yourselves, my friend, and as always, keep climbing. <laughs>